0: Let's pray once more together. Lord, we come now to your word. And we trust in you that you have inspired these words and that they are true and they speak with authority in our lives. So we ask that you be with us during this time, that uh, by your spirit you give us eyes to see and ears to hear the truth of your word. Also that we might love Jesus more. In his name, amen. Well, the passage we're going to be considering briefly this morning comes from the book of Luke. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, that's fine. I'll be reading this passage for us. Uh, If you don't have a Bible that you read usually, uh, we have Bibles out in the connect table that you're welcome to on your way out. It's our gift to you. And before we read this passage together this morning, I, I wonder what you think of Jesus this morning. So, Especially this time of year, we are given to thinking more about this man, this guy who lived 2,000 years ago. Even those of us who don't really think of ourselves as necessarily uh, religious or or prone to being spiritual uh, can easily see that Jesus is is one of the reasons we even have uh, this holiday season. So, uh, of course, there's something about his life, about his uh, teaching that folks celebrate this time of year. Uh, perhaps your conception of Jesus is that he is he 's just that he 's a historical character he motivated a religious holiday. He was a good teacher, a humble man of peace, a, a communicator of good morals and healthful guidelines for life. It seems like he died an unfortunate death, but his but his memory lives on, and his fellow, his uh, followers celebrate him that 's that 's good that 's fine. Um, perhaps you might think that some Christians take their loyalty to Jesus to a bit to the extreme. Uh, say things like he's the only way to, to heaven or he rose from the dead. But he he was a good guy, so uh, you can't blame that him for, for them, right? On the other hand, maybe your conception of Jesus is less positive. Maybe you associate him with uh, people in your past who called themselves Christians and yet treated you really unkindly and badly. And maybe... Maybe you experienced loss or tragedy in your life and you've heard that Jesus was kind of in control of that and so it doesn't seem like he's, he's worthy to be trusted or loved, much less worshipped. Maybe you're a Christian here this morning. You've placed your trust in Christ. What, what do you think of him this morning? What's been your posture towards him this past week? Has he let you down? Has he seemed distant and far off? Have you you thought about Him much at all? Well, in these verses from Luke, we see a glimpse of Jesus that is astonishing. Uh, We see His incarnation, His birth. How He, the very Son of God, was born as a man, took on flesh. That's what being incarnate means, incarnation. Became like us. So let's read this passage together, Luke 2, verses 1-7. through And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So two things about Christ this morning before we go to our lunch. First, let's think about Jesus' divinity, the truth that he is God. Look there in verse 5. And we see here that Joseph went up to be part of the census by the government, uh, he had this woman named Mary that he was betrothed to. And, and back in chapter 1, well, here we see Mary was pregnant. Back in chapter 1, we see the backstory of that pregnancy. Uh, it was not usual. So if you turn back in your Bibles to chapter 1, you'll see, starting in verse 26, this uh, account of how an angel appeared to Mary, uh, a virgin, and promised her that she'd give birth to, to a child by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and who was this child? Verse 31 of chapter 1. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And then in verse 35, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. So, who is this child that Mary is carrying in our passage, the one she's about to bring to term and deliver? It's the very Son of God. It's the Son of the Most High. You know, many people of faith, many world religions appreciate Jesus. He was a good person, one we should emulate. But to say that he's this is too far. For our Muslim friends, for our Jewish friends, the idea that Jesus is God, that that's unfathomable. God isn't multiple persons. He's not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But you can't escape Father, Son, and Holy Spirit here in Luke 1 and 2. The angel makes it abundantly clear. This child will be called the very Son of God, and he'll be born by the Spirit. And church, if this is true, then Jesus is not just a man who lived a few thousand years ago. If it's true that he's God, then he's the most powerful being in the universe. If it's true that Jesus is divine, then he's the strongest power in the world. He's the king over everything. Jesus is God. He is omnipotent meaning he is all-powerful. No one exercises more sway, more control than him. No dictator, no president, no king, no natural force or gravitational pull, nothing in all the universe is as powerful as Jesus. Jesus is also omniscient, meaning he knows all things. There is no corner of the earth of which he is not aware. Jesus is also omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere. He observes no limitation or boundary. That's something hard to comprehend, right? Because we bump up against our limitations every second. Uh, We have limitations to what we know, to to how strong we are, to our mental energy. But friends, Jesus is God and he bumps up into no limitations. Uh, One part of the Bible says he upholds the universe by the word of his power. How, How crazy is that? can't get greater than that Jesus is God and it's not like that was something his followers kind of just kind of put on his legacy after he died uh, Jesus said this about himself John ten thirty, I and the father are one referring to God if that's not true then Jesus is not a good teacher that's a bold faced lie but if it is true and he has all authority. No one is bigger. No one is greater. No one is like Jesus. And so with that in mind, let's see this second thing before we close about Jesus. Look there in verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So Jesus is God, right? And yet here we see he was born as a man. He took on himself our nature. He condescended to become like the very people he had created. Jesus in all his power became like us. I don't know if you've ever watched the show, Undercover Boss. Um, it's a show that is exactly what the title would lead you, lead you to believe it is. It's about high-level corporate executives who disguise themselves and, and go undercover and join their lower-level employees to see what the working conditions are like and how business is conducted. So the CFO of Pizza Hut will go flip pizzas, uh, if that's what you do with pizzas, uh, in a local restaurant. And then the president of Honda will go on the assembly line, right? It's a fun watch sometimes. It's painful at other times. Uh, But I think that concept helps us understand a little bit more about what's going on here in Luke 2. That Jesus, the king of the universe, should humble himself to become like us, should floor us. Uh, But that's not all. Not only was he born as a man, but he was born like this. He was placed in a manger, there was no room indoors, he was born in a barn. I think we romanticize this a lot at Christmas, right, with our nativity scenes and our cozy carols. But it was kind of ugly and kind of gross, I think. And a manger was where animals ate, it was smelly, it was stinky. That's the very place the Son of God chose to enter the world. And that wasn't a mistake, God had planned that all along. Jesus came to us not in all his glory that he deserved. He came to us as a, as a lowly baby, as a humble servant. Another part in the Bible says he didn't account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So the king over all, the one greater than Caesar Augustus, the ruler of the known world, greater than any other monarch who has ever lived, became like the weakest of all. I think that's what we should see about Jesus this morning. King of the universe and child in the manger. Creator of all. An infant nursing in a donkey's trough. Why would he choose to be born like this? Well, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. To give up his life as a ransom for many. For those who are lost in sin, rejecting him. Jesus came to be born a man, to grow, to suffer, to eventually die an undeserved death, falsely accused by those around him, taking on himself the sins of God's people. Like Jason read for us earlier, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But for those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's the gospel. That's why Jesus came, so that the... The enemies of God could become His children. The enemies become the sons of God because the Son of God became the enemy. Jesus took all of our sin on Himself when He died on the cross and because of that we are spared God's judgment for our sin. That's the message of the manger. Jesus has taken all of our weakness on himself so we can be saved. He has been born as a servant so that we could be adopted as sons. Do you see the message of the manger this morning? Jesus is eternal. Yet became a man whose days were numbered. Jesus is unchangeable and knows everything, yet became like a boy who kind of had to grow in obedience through suffering, as Hebrews says. Jesus is omnipresent and immense. And yet become constrained by space and separated from his father. So brothers and sisters, what do you think of Jesus this morning? Do you see how weak you are? Do you realize how needy you are of this gracious king? I mean, when was the last time you realized your utter desperate need for grace and help from God? And many of you know that I've felt that way acutely over the last three weeks as I struggle with anxiety and fear. I'm grateful for your encouragement, but more than that, I'm grateful for a king who became weak so that I could be strong. Church, we have a savior who became weak so that we might be strengthened, who submitted himself to a manger stall so we could be raised to his throne of grace. Thou who wast rich, beyond all splendor, all for love's sake became poor. Thrones for a manger did surrender. Sapphire paved courts for stable floor. Those words echo Paul in 2 Corinthians. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So church, as we enter this Christmas season, let's remember who Jesus is. It's not only a good teacher, not only a historic personality, not only a religious figure, not just a friend or a buddy, nor is he distant from you, Christian. Jesus is our creator king who became like a humble child, a suffering servant, so that our sins might be washed away, that we might know God as our father, not merely our judge. Here's how the great early church father, Augustine, or Augustine, uh, put it, for those of you from Florida. Man's maker was made man, that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on its journey, that the truth might be accused of false witness. The teacher be beaten with whips. The foundation be suspended on wood. That strength might grow weak. That the healer might be wounded. That life might die. Church Jesus died for us, the King. But he's not dead anymore. He reigns in heaven as king forever. He's no longer in a manger. He's on a throne. So that's who we come to this morning. That's who Jesus is. And if you're here and you've never understood what that means for you, if that's not the Jesus that seems familiar to you, he invites you to place your trust in him today. If you'd like to learn more about that, talk to us afterwards. We're having lunch. Find somebody that, that looks not intimidating and, and ask them what it means to trust in Jesus. And if you've come to Jesus for salvation, if you call yourself a Christian, I invite you to turn to this Savior again this morning. Turn to the, the baby in the manger. The one who gave himself up for you. Turn to the king on the throne. The one coming back for you. Rejoice in this savior. You know, Paul in Colossians chapter 1 describes Jesus like this. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. It's one of the most glorious descriptions of Jesus in all of Scripture. This is who he is. He is is above all. He is preeminent. He is supreme. And then look what Paul says next in Colossians 1 verse 19. For in him, this king, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. How? How? Would this king come with a sword and squash the enemy? Would he come and kind of bring peace politically? Whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The king, the baby in a manger. This is the paradoxical savior that we serve. And this is the incarnation that we think about at Christmas time. That God became a man so that we might be saved. We're going to close by singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. That's the gospel. Jesus came so that we might be born again. So as we sing together and then as we break half hour earlier than we're used to and share lunch together, let's remember that this is what unites us, the king who became a man so that we might be saved. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for coming to us when we would have never come to you. Thank you for loving us when we hated you, humbling yourself when we lifted ourselves up in pride against you, becoming God's enemy by taking on our sins so that we might become God's children, spotless. Thank you for laying aside your glory so that we might be saved, for emptying yourself of your divine privileges so that we might be given new life. Thank you for becoming weak so that we might become strong. We pray that you give us grace to live in light of that truth. And bless us now in Jesus' name.